Welcome to Beyond the Walls with Jeremy Thomas. Today we have a small taste, an appetizer, a short snippet of one of Jeremy's recent teachings covering the key point or key doctrine from that sermon. It's a short, easy to digest, and encouraging sample from a bigger lesson. We hope you enjoy it. So the present tense, again, salvation from the power of sin in your life. Now, you may not have thought about it like this as a Christian, um, but when you give in to your flesh and you sin, right, you're putting yourself in the position of being a slave to sin as your master. So you're not enjoying freedom because the master is sin and it is, it is dominating you. And this is why when you sin, you, you can get depressed, you can feel oppressed, you have frustration, okay, because you are in a condition where your freedom has been limited because you chose to sin, and now you're, you're in an oppressed state, okay, as a believer, okay. So, but you can be saved from the power of sin, right? And this is theologically called sanctification, and it's a process that occurs across your entire Christian life. So we are in process in this salvation. This salvation is a process, okay? Um, so how do we enjoy this salvation? Well, you learn to live by faith, which is life by the Spirit, okay? And as you live by the Spirit, um, Christ is in you in the sense that He's living through you. Remember what Paul said in Galatians 2.20? It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, just in the body. He says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he's talking about, obviously, present salvation and how to live the Christian life, how to have Christ living in you. And we do that by faith. So um, let's look at the map or chart again. We're in the center column then, present tense of salvation, saved from the power of sin in your life, which you want, because otherwise oppression, depression, frustration, anger, stress, all sorts of issues there. Um, so this happens, again, over a process of time. It, it, it happens when you walk by faith, which is by means of the Spirit of God, and therefore you enjoy more freedom. Okay, So let's look at some passages on, on this. Okay. 1 Timothy 4.16. We're in 2 Timothy. We'll just go back one book. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 16. This will actually be, I think, the funnest section because it will take you to some of the controversial passages. I think you'll see really quickly, oh, okay, I wish I'd seen that before. Um, that would have made that passage so much easier. 1 Timothy 4.16. Paul tells Timothy again, Pay close attention to yourself. By the way, that's just good advice. Now stop worrying about everybody else. You know, pay attention to yourself. <laughs> and um, to your teaching, okay, pay attention to your doctrine. Persevere in these things. Now, now let me ask you a question. Was, was Timothy a believer? Are you sure? I mean, I'm pretty confident Timothy is a believer, right? So this is written to a believer. He says, pay, uh, persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. You know, wait a minute, I thought he was already a believer. I thought he was already saved. Now he's saying, you know, if you persevere in these things, you'll ensure salvation for yourself. Does that mean, well, possibly he could lose it? 
Or is he talking about salvation in the present tense, being saved from the power of sin? If he pays attention to his doctrine, he keeps taking, looking at himself and taking care of his own personal spiritual life. Okay, this is talking about sanctification. Okay, this salvation is in the present tense of being saved from the power of sin in his life as well as those who hear his doctrine. Right? So this doesn't have anything with going to heaven, right? <laughs> no, he's going to heaven. We know that. But if he doesn't pay attention to himself, his own spiritual life, if he doesn't pay attention to his doctrine carefully, then he's going to come under the power of sin and it's going to restrict his freedom as a believer. And Paul says, I don't want that for you. I don't want that for those who hear you. I want you to pay close attention to yourself, pay close attention to your doctrine. And through this, you know what? You will ensure salvation for your hearers as well as yourself because you'll learn how to live the Christian way of life, live by the Spirit, and enjoy freedom from the power of sin. So this is all in the sanctification or second tense of salvation. Um, now let's turn to one in James. That's to the right, after the book of Hebrews, James chapter 1. Now, this one's interesting, because, uh, by the way, James is probably the earliest written book in the New Testament. Just an interesting factoid, the Holy Spirit's not mentioned in the book of James at all, which is indicative, perhaps, that it was the earliest book, and they didn't know a lot about the Holy Spirit's work yet, because it just hadn't been revealed yet. They just didn't know his function yet during the church age. It's different from the Old Testament, right? He was with them in the Old Testament, but he was, he, he's now in us. Okay, but James obviously doesn't know a lot about that yet. Um, early book, okay? And in 121, he says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted. Receive the word that's been implanted. So the word has been implanted in them, they need to receive it, okay, accept it, which is able to save your souls. Okay? And people say, well, that means go to heaven. Um, no, not, not in James. No, no, by no stretch of the imagination is that what it means. Look, look back at verse, well, let's, let's, let's do a little bit more of this. Verse 16. What does he call them in verse 16? Beloved brethren. Now, is that what you would say to a bunch of unbelievers? I mean, let's just move all you people out and put a bunch of unbelievers in here. Oh, my beloved brethren. That's not how you would address them at all. But notice he says, do not be deceived. Um, Can a believer, can beloved brethren be deceived? Sure. Even Adam, we didn't even have a sinful nature as someone who was you know, perfect. He was deceived. So why can't we be deceived? Of course we can be deceived. Why is he warning them not to be deceived? Look back at verse 14. Each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished or full grown, mature, it brings forth death. Death. What kind of death is he talking about? Death always means a separation, right? And then the next verse, he says, don't be deceived. So he's, ta- he's clearly talking to believers. He's saying, don't be deceived. What happens when we're deceived? The next thing that happens is verse 14, we're tempted. 
Deception comes first. You have to get tricked. Okay, then the temptation is valid in our eyes because we're already deceived. So we get tempted. And then we get carried away and enticed by our own lust to fulfill that temptation. And it says, when the lust has conceived, now you're thinking of a baby, okay, because he's drawing from that metaphor, the conception. The lust, when the lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. So you've gone through the whole process of the pregnancy, nine months. And the end of that, in this case, is sin, because you've been deceived, tempted, carried away by your own lust, and then you give birth to sin. And then it says when sin is full grown or mature, it's talking about the baby growing all the way into maturity. So picture someone growing to adulthood. And then it says then it brings forth death. That's the end. What happens at the end of your life? You, you die, right? So this is picturing everything from deception, temptation, which conceives, so to speak. It develops in the womb and produces sin. And then the sin grows to maturity through your life. And it ends in death. What type of death do you die at the end of your life? It's called physical death, right? And he's using that metaphor. He is most likely actually talking about physical death. Thank you for joining us today on Beyond the Walls with Jeremy Thomas. If you found the lesson insightful, please consider subscribing below so that you don't miss any additional teachings from Jeremy. And if you're looking for additional resources or additional formats, links are in the description below. But above all, we want you to be encouraged and exhorted by the very Word of God. We hope that Jeremy is opening it up to you in a way that makes it even more understandable than what you've known in the past. So until next time, take care.